Right, let's go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I uh, want to finish off this uh, short series in Baptist Distinctives, or the, this aspect of it, looking at separation, and we're going to just read our text once again, um, in verse number 14 of chapter 6, we'll read down to verse number 18 once again. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you just help me as I get into this last aspect of separation today, as we look at friendships and close relationships, and I pray, Lord, you'd give guidance and direction as we go through this passage, Lord, and help us to be honorable unto you in our decisions in relation to our fellowship. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we looked last week a little bit at uh, the relationship between the lost and saved. We looked at there was differences, there was different ways that, uh, that the lost handles things, different ways that the saved handle things, and uh, that's just to be expected in the world that we live in, but the thing is when you start yoking together with them, then you have no control over such uh, behavior, and so that reflects on you. You've heard the terminology, guilt by association guilt by association, and that, that really happens in, in partnerships, so you can have a lost partner. I'm not saying they would, but they could do something that is not of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you would be brought into that, and that would reflect on you, and so that's something that would hurt your testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not worth it, and so uh, we looked at unequal yokes as far as business partnerships, and we looked at marriage partnerships as well, as well. And you're only supposed to marry in the Lord. That's a command of God. And so that's something we ought to teach our children, that they're not allowed to uh, get involved with lost people. Um, as far as having a relationship and marriage and girlfriend, boyfriend, and so forth. And I know we can have this kind of idea that, oh, well, they'll change. And, and you know what? By the grace of God, they will. And I, I would hope that would be the case. Uh, but folks, you can't expect that to be the rule. That's an exception. And many times people get caught up in a relationship or a marriage where the one isn't truly saved. Or maybe they put their best foot forward and, and pretended to be saved or said they were saved just so that you would marry them or whatever. And so there has to be some sort of a, uh, an evidence that a person is born again before you uh, get involved in, in having one of the most important uh, covenants of your life. And that's the marriage covenant, amen? And so be very careful about that. And I just say that because I'm just trying to help families to understand what the Bible says about this. And, um, and then we also looked at uh, having an unbelieving husband, an unbelieving, unbelieving wife, and how the Lord looks at that relationship and how that if the unbeliever departs, which means that the believer stays faithful, the believer uh, keeps walking with the Lord. But of course, folks, I, I say these things and there's always... There's always qualifiers with things because if you're in a position where you're in a place where you're in danger, physical danger, uh, things like that, you, you can't stay in that situation. You've got to remove yourself from that. 
It's not because you're looking for a divorce. It's not because you're looking to leave your husband or whatever. You're just trying to stay safe, amen, and that's, that's just proper. Uh, but, of course, in that situation, you have to keep praying and, and trusting the Lord that he is going to do something on your behalf, take care of you or whatever. But if the unbelieving departs, if they don't want you to be like a Christian. They don't want you to walk the Christian walk, and they won't let you read the Bible, and they won't let you go to church. Uh, they'll, they'll end up leaving. Uh, the Bible says, let them leave. You're not under bondage, which means that you no longer have to serve that person. You're not under bondage to go and take care of them and feed them and, and all these different things anymore, which before you were obligated. And so the Lord gave you that freedom in that particular decision. And so, um, so today what I want to do is I'm going to uh, move to the, to the uh, topic of fellowship or friendships. And notice what it says there, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. And this we have to get straight with believers today. You know, uh, we say we're believers, yet we're, we're connecting in situations and fellowship with people that aren't doing right. And that ought not ever be. Uh, that's why we, we tell, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I don't go to a place or have my family go anywhere where they're serving alcohol and drinking that at the table and so forth. I mean, nowadays, every restaurant you go to has alcohol, but that doesn't mean that you've got to be there and, and sitting down with somebody that's drinking alcohol, <laughs> amen, uh, you, you reject that. And, uh, and so, and sometimes that, that can get pretty, can be a, a touchy thing, especially when it comes to like work banquets, or maybe it comes to a wedding reception, or something like this to people that you know and you're very close to. Well, that's the, that's the thing that will have to have the principle applied. If it was easy, then you wouldn't need principles, <laughs> amen? Uh, you're given these instructions so that you know what to do in the tough situations of life. And so there's been many work banquets that I didn't go to. There's been many different things that I would not. I, I had a family member that had a, a reception, and um, I went to the wedding, and the wedding was fine. Well, was, yeah, you know, but I wouldn't go to the reception, because they had, they had a bottle of wine on every table, and I just refused to be associated with that. That's not righteousness. That's not what God wants for my life, and not for my family, and I'd hate to see them. And the thing is, after that, it was interesting, because they were taking pictures, and they began posting all those pictures online of all the people that were there in that atmosphere. And so we made the right choice, amen? I know one person that did go because they felt the pressure, and then they got caught in this. There was this picture they had, and now they thought, man, now everybody thinks of, well, yeah, that's part of separation. And that's why you got to be smart and wise about these situations of life. And so the word fellowship means companionship or uh, consort or mutual association of persons on equal and friendly terms or a familiar intercourse. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't be friendly to people. It doesn't mean you can't uh, spend time talking to them and trying to win them to Christ, and we'll look at that a little bit. But that means that just because you're, you're getting friendly, friendly with this person, you've got to be prepared because they may start extending invitations to you to come into their situation, into their atmosphere. And that you have to be careful of because you don't know what's going on in there, especially if they're lost. What, what, what principles do they have that are guiding their decisions, and now here you are jumping into that situation. And this is something I've found many times, if I don't say my position to people, they, they somehow think that I've just given permission. 
If I don't say anything, if I go to a situation and they have something that I don't agree with and I just stay quiet about it, oh, he's got no problem with that. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to a barber in town there and, uh, you know, I really liked the barber. He did a great job and he was fast and all these things, but he got so familiar with me, he started slipping out curse words all the time. F-bombs and stuff. This is during, while he's working in front of the public. And so I'm just sitting there, wow, you know, so I, I just had to stop going. I, just, I can't be a part of that. And so I have to find a place where they're not dropping F-bombs, which is kind of hard to do these days. A lot of these places, they're cursing and they're acting like fools there. And I, I want to find a professional place, somebody that treats their, their, their clients with respect, you know. But that's, that's what you're up against today. And so you have to make decisions to separate from that, you see. And there was a time I was trying to reach him and with the gospel. I gave him the gospel several times. You know, while we're there, it didn't stop him from dropping F-bombs, you know. So I just felt in my spirit that I've done what I needed to do there and I had to get out because now it was just being where it's almost like me being there is kind of this permission for him to continue talking the way he talks and act the way he acts. And so I had to get out of there. And that's the same thing you have to do, <laughs> amen, because your silence will be looked at as permission, you got no problem with that, you know? And who wants to just go to the barber shop and give everybody a hard time about how they talk? you got four barbers there and all the customers, you know? It's not the way I usually operate. But, you know, what, what, what uh, fellowship, what companionship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Righteousness is purity of heart and, and rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. That's righteousness. Unrighteousness is injustice, a violation of the divine law or of the plain principles of justice and equity. It's wickedness. It may consist of a single unjust act or but more generally, when applied to persons, it denotes an habitual course of wickedness. When you know somebody continually, they live in this state of sin where they live in a certain way and here you're jumping into that thing. You gotta be very careful. And I know you say, oh, yeah, but we love them. And well, sure you do. <laughs> it's not about love. Uh, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You, you have to be in the right position to reach people. And if you've been compromising in fellowship with people, you're the last person they'll go to for help. Do you understand that? And this is what I've found with some people is they, they think if I kind of lower my standard, I spend time with them, then I'm going to be the one to be able to help them when the time comes. It's not true. When they finally get to the point where they want to get right, they're going to bypass you because they know you compromise. And they're going to go to the one that, you know, that maybe they even complained about. But that's the one because they know they're the ones that have the answer, not the one that compromises. And that's going to make you feel like a fool. It's going to make you feel like, well, what, 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 what in the world did I do, <laughs> you know? And so you got to be very careful about that. And that's why sometimes you feel that if I stay in the light here and, and keep myself in this separate lifestyle, that somehow people won't want to talk to me. But I'll tell you, when the time comes and they're ready to talk, you're exactly the one that they'll talk to. How many guys on the job that, that kept their testimony pure and right? And, you know, they kept impacting their coworkers. Now there's other Christians there that are joining in on the fun and the dirty jokes and so forth. They don't go to them for help. You know who they go to? 
And it may not be around those other people, but that when you're off by yourself, they'll kind of slide in where nobody sees them and start talking to you about their marriage or their problem because they know you must have the answer. You can't help people in the darkness. You can only help people in the light. They know that. I just don't know why Christians aren't getting this. You know, that's why this whole thing about dumbing down our righteousness in the church to reach the world or to bring the world in to reach the world or bring rock music in to reach the world is so foolish because you're not reaching them. They're reaching you. They just changed you. You didn't change them. And you have a membership of lost people. And that we don't want that here. We want saved people. <laughs> we want people here that are walking in the light and love the light and love the word of God and, and live by principle, not, not by some filthy lifestyle. It's amazing what I'm hearing sometimes from different churches and people say, this is what they're doing. <laughs> I had one person say, I didn't know whether the, the, the piano player was a girl or a boy. Pride Month, they're handing out rainbow-colored lollipops. This is the church. My goodness, man, what's happened? What's happened to the house of God? We've got to be more careful. We don't fellowship with that. So one of the arguments they'll say is, what about Jesus eating with the sinners and the publicans? You know, there's probably no greater excuse that carnal Christians use to have leisure fellowship with the lost than the account where Jesus ate with sinners and publicans. One must honestly look at the account to understand the purpose of its placement there in the scriptures. Now, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus was accused of foolishly fellowshipping with sinners. In Matthew 11, verse 19, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, and a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Jesus is saying that those that are wise will honestly see what I'm accomplishing in the lives of these people. And the wise people will also see that all you're trying to do is leisurely have fun with this lost person and have no impact on their life. Wisdom will be justified. Amen. Jesus was calling sinners to repentance. This was the whole thing. In fact, this led up to that supper. In Mark chapter 2, verse 14, it says, And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and, saying, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. This was Matthew. This became the apostle Matthew, wrote the book of Matthew. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. They used that as an excuse that we ought to go fellowship with unbelievers and lost people. That is not the context of this passage. He had just led Matthew to the Lord. He went to his house to have supper with him, and all the people from his old life were there, and they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And the Bible says that many of them followed him. He wasn't there alone. In fact, he had all of his disciples with him. Amen? Amen. But isn't it amazing how people use that as an excuse (laughs) to break down the standard of separation when it comes to fellowship with unbelievers? And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is he that eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? <laughs> you know, they totally missed it. They didn't even realize what was going on here. When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, 
They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick, I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So his situation there in that supper is he was winning the lost. And folks, if you can invite a lost person out for coffee and go for supper with them so you can get them the gospel, that is just wonderful, and I encourage you to do that. But you got to be careful getting in this mentality, well, we'll just spend time with them, and then somehow we'll win them along the way. No, sir. you got to be ready to t- speak to them about the gospel. you got to open your mouth. You're not going to win them simply by lifestyle evangelism. In fact, the lifestyle evangelism has already taken place if, if they've seen your life. You're ready to talk to them. And that's when the supper comes. That's when you sit down with them. That's when you have that time. But it's not a time to be quiet and not talk about Jesus. That's exactly the time to say, hey, let me ask you a question because I care about you. If you were to die today, where would you go? And give them a gospel. Give them a gospel tract. I got a whole bunch of gospel. I I ordered about 5,000 more tracts back there. And I want you guys to grab some of those and, and give them to people we got to win the lost. Amen? Now, we have to separate from their lifestyle, but we can, we, can, we can connect with them enough to give them the gospel and to tell them about Christ. Amen? Yeah. Or sometimes it's, it works better to bring them into your situation. You know, we had kids, I remember in Kenora, that they went to the public school and they said, what do I do? And the public school there was pretty rough. These guys always want me to come over. They always, yeah, I said, well, you be careful. That'd be a very dangerous situation because you can't control what's going on in their house. In fact, their parents live more wickedly than you could possibly imagine. There's no protection there. I says, what you need to do is if you want to connect with some of these young people is bring them into your situation. Invite them to church. Invite them to your house where your parents can be there and watch the situation. Maybe you can help this young person get saved but not to establish a friendship with a lost person and continue in that. That's a very dangerous thing to do, you understand. So the sinners came to Jesus searching. They came to him. They saw what happened with Matthew, and they said, I want to I know what this guy's got to say here. What are you going to say? I can't eat with you. Get out of here. No, sit down. Jesus is speaking. God's going to make a difference in your life. Sit down. <laughs> Amen. Listen. Matthew 10, 9, it says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and the disciples. So basically, he had won Matthew to Christ. He went to his house, sat down with him at the table, and because everybody knew that he was there, they all came, his his fellow workers, the publicans, the tax collectors, these people that were living lives of debauchery, and they heard about Jesus, and they came seeking, because the Bible says, I'm not come to call... um, the righteous to repentance, I'm come to call sinners to repentance. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. It's one thing about the hospital. Nobody goes there unless they really have to. (laughs) Now, some people I wonder, though. (laughs) You go to the urgent care, you say, man, there's five people here that probably could be at home and they'd be okay. I'm going to tell you, when I go to the hospital, there's a reason for it. And when I go to the hospital, I go there because I know I need to. And there's nowhere else I'd rather be on the planet than right there at that hospital. So what happened with these guys, they say, we need the hospital. 
They heard that Jesus was sitting down with Matthew, and Matthew had just left his job and, and gotten saved. And they said, let's go, let's go to the hospital. Yeah. And they sat down with Jesus. <laughs> Isn't it wicked that Pharisees and wicked people have been using that to defend fellowshipping with darkness to this day? Wow. <laughs> Don't let it happen. <laughs> you know the context now, amen? Jesus had the aim to heal those that, they, that knew they were sick. In Mark 2, verse 16, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is he that eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick, I'm called to, I've come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but call sinners to repentance. I think I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. In order to heal a sick person, you must be in the same room with them. In order to call someone to repentance, they must be within earshot. The argument used by most people to place Jesus among sinners does not reflect badly upon the sinners, but make Jesus to be a drunkard and gluttonous. This was the same argument as the Pharisees had. Jesus was conforming to divine law by calling sinners to repentance. But little is made of that fact and much is made of the fact that he ate with sinners. Eating with the lost is not against God's law of separation. The motive as to why you're eating with the lost is the questions, is the question. We know Christ's motives. What is our motive? Amen? Well, I just like hanging with this person. Not good enough. <laughs> not good enough. You've got to have it on your heart that these people need to be saved and we're doing this for the sake of their soul. Amen, just like Jesus. So let me just give you, as I close up tonight, some tips for dealing with lost people that are close to us. The first one is this. Never compromise your Christian walk. And the Bible tells us clearly in Philippians 2.15 that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Anywhere you go, you should be seen as blameless in the eyes of men. Yeah. Now, there'll be people that'll throw mud at you no matter what you do, but that doesn't mean that mud will stick. Amen? I get lots of mud thrown at me. I hope none of it sticks. You gotta understand that. And you will have mud thrown at you as a child of God because they wanna see what will stick and they just wanna kinda hurt you because they, they, they're not where you're at. Amen? Anything you do should be glorifying God. In Ephesians 5.11 it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And this is something I've even been trying to teach my kids lately. You know, just because there's wickedness out there and it's so prominent, it's on the news, I mean, you see it around you, you see it on the street corner. They start talking about it. I say, kids, just be quiet. We don't want to talk about that stuff. We don't need to talk about that stuff. Well, Dad, it's all around us. I know it's all around us, but we, the Bible says it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, that means, well, what are you doing with your time there? How are you purchasing back that time? Well, we're just having a good old time. We're just fellowshipping. No, no, no. 
be careful what you do with your time. What if, you had, what, what if that was the last time you're going to spend with that person? The last words you're going to speak to that person. What are you going to tell them? That's the way we ought to operate. And I understand the Holy Spirit of God, he leads us and he fills us and sometimes we, we can and should speak. Sometimes we, he says don't speak and I know that. But folks, we at least ought to walk circumspectly. We ought to know what's going on. Circumspectly, what is that? Circumference, what does that mean? <laughs> Everything around. Somebody invites you over. Don't just, oh yeah, why not? No, no just take a step back. <laughs> And look all around. Check it out. Before you ever make a commitment, before you ever put your foot into that, make sure you're making a right decision. That's what the Bible says that, a, that someone that is living in the light will do. Amen? But how many times have you gotten yourself into a pickle with people because you just said, blah? All of us can say, yeah, I, well, we need to take this admonition very seriously. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil, and the word evil always implicates damage. It always in implicates hurt. So these days are hurting people. There's hurt around the corner, so be careful. Look circumspectly for your family, because there's things out there that'll hurt them. There's an evil presence in this world that is working to get at our families. Amen? So we need to stand. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What a great passage, amen. That's powerful stuff. I could preach for weeks on that. Might do it. No, I won't. Second point is this. Never compromise your message. It says that you may be blameless and harmless in Philippians 2.15. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And it goes on to say, holding forth the word of life. Yeah. Holding forth the word of life. We've got to hold forth that word, and when we hold it forth, they shouldn't be looking at us and saying, yeah, but I saw you do all of that. You're doing the same thing I'm doing. Like, who are you to preach at me? You ought to be living a life of light. You ought to be having a strong testimony so when you hold forth the word of life, it's not been compromised. So they can listen to you. They'll know you're the real one, not the fake one. Amen. It's funny because sometimes the Bible says the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. They understand. You ask a lost person, should a Christian drink alcohol? And if anybody's going to be honest, they'll say, no, they shouldn't. But we got Christians that are, that are trying to say, oh, it's okay. I can't tell you how many people have argued with me over the years, and every one of them claimed to be Christians. I've never had an argument with a lost about alcohol. The argument I have is with Christians. <laughs> They're the ones trying to compromise. They're the ones that are handling the word of God deceitfully, walking in craftiness. But then it goes on to say, but if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. So we're supposed to be those that renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But being a manifestation of the truth and the consciences of men, the Bible says, in the sight of God. Then it goes on to say, but if your gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. That means they're the ones not seeing it in your life. They're the ones that are paying the price for your playing with darkness. 
Well, I tell them, telling them is not the same as living it and being it. It's like I'm trying to sell a vacuum cleaner that I don't believe sucks up the dirt. Amen? They want to see me using that vacuum cleaner. They want to see some dirt being cleaned up. And when they see that, they say, okay, now you can tell me about your vacuum cleaner. This is not salesman tactics here. This, and that's another thing that's going on in Christianity today. It's a bunch of manipulation, get people to pray a prayer. It's not salvation. <laughs> salvation is trusting Christ. Amen. They'll trust them, but they're not going to trust them if they don't see that you trust them. <laughs> well, I trust them for my salvation, but you've got to trust them for more than that. You trust them for your salvation, you should trust them for your daily life. Because that's where they see you. That's where they see you. They can't see your trust for salvation unless you tell them. But they will see your trust in, in trials. They'll see your trust when everything goes backwards. They'll see your trust when people betray you. They'll, they'll see your trust when people turn on you because you're following the Lord. They'll see your trust when you're going to church and everybody's going to the football game. That's where they see your trust. But if your gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Walking in craftiness and handling the word of God deceitfully. That's talking about believers. Talking about believers that are using the Bible to justify their dark walk. Because preachers are so fuddy-duddy. Always telling me to do this and that. Well, the Bible says this, and they pull a little verse out of context. That's walking craftily. It's handling the word of God deceitfully and you're hiding the gospel to all the people around you. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, the Bible says. Never compromise control over the situation. So don't go to places to visit where you're outnumbered by the lost. <laughs> Notice that Jesus was with all of his disciples and I bet you that he outnumbered the lost in that room. Be careful about that. You don't just put yourself in a situation by yourself. That's why I say if you have a, a family gathering and you've got a lost family, that's not the time to bring up all the controversial issues. Family gatherings are about, hey, how's it going? How's your job going? Yeah, great. Your kid looks cute. Yeah, ooey gooey, and that's it. <clears throat> Let's eat some food and go home. <clears throat> Let them see you're normal. <laughs> Amen. It's not a time to get 15 people looking at you. Oh, Yo, well, what about you? And you're sitting there on your soapbox like you're going to win these people? My goodness, man. Unless the Lord sends the Holy Ghost from heaven and you got the second baptism of the Spirit, there is no way you're going to win that family in that situation. You understand that? <laughs> so what you do is you, you just be nice. You show them how kind you can be, and that's a great time to show them your life. You talk about going to church and how you, you love the Lord even. That's fine. But don't start attacking. Don't start undermining. Don't start picking out their problems and, and so forth. You know? You may find yourself in a situation where they do have something there. You didn't know it was going to be there. Just learn how to shut your mouth and go home. Because what you want to do if you want to win somebody is you want to get that person one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. You're not going to win a crowd. I mean, it's very rare. I have done that in soul winning. And remember in Kenora, we used to go out on the streets and have groups of eight people. 
And they all listened, and I've had all eight of them pray and receive Christ there. <laughs> That's different than a family gathering because there's history. <laughs> they don't know me in that situation. But they know you. And there's already some water under the bridge, amen? So you got to be very careful. Never compromise control over the situation. Be very wise in how you approach people coming up to Easter gatherings, you know, in the next, next month or so. Just go there for your family. Love them and show how kind you are and, and you know, bring them a gift. And, you know, the Bible says that a gift pacifieth anger. Use those tactics, Amen. Number four is never compromise your cool. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The devil doesn't want you to have that kind of power. He doesn't want you to have that kind of uh, preparedness in a situation where you've already got the Lord sanctified in your heart. So here you are on the job, you haven't spent time with the Lord, you're not even looking for the Lord to do anything through you that day, You've, you haven't sanctified him in your heart, you haven't given him that place of control in your life, you're probably not going to do well in a soul winning situation. But if you can go there knowing that the Lord has got priority in your life that day and you're walking with him, you've had some Bible put into you in the morning and you, you prayed for the, your co-workers, I mean, then you're ready to talk to them. During your break time. Not during time where their boss is paying for their time. You don't make them steal from their boss. <laughs> Amen. You talk to them during time where they're not being paid. During lunchtime, during break time, after work, and so forth. Other than that, you could maybe just have a quick little conversation as you're doing the work. Mention that you go to church or whatever. But if you're going to sit down with the Bible, I mean, don't do that while the clock is ticking and he's getting paid for it. Amen? Be very careful. Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is head, even Christ. I love this passage, 2 Timothy 2.24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Apt means able and ready to teach. Doesn't mean you're teaching anybody. It just means you're ready to. <laughs> Amen? That means you're not ready for an argument. And the Bible says, the servant Lord must not strive. We ought never to be arguing with people. There's the aspect of persuasion. You're trying to persuade them from the scriptures. But it ought not ever be where the, the, the emotions are being heightened here and you know, your face is getting red. And, you know, like, no, no, no. We're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win a soul. And you've got to be ready to walk away from the situation thinking you've lost the argument. But maybe you've kept the soul. Amen? But sometimes if you're proud, all you care about is winning the argument. And you'll lose that person. And you've accomplished nothing. Amen? Less than nothing. Because now that person has that to draw on the next time they talk to somebody that wants a witness. Well, I knew somebody, he just gave me a hard time. <laughs> and how many of you came across people like that as you're knocking on the door or whatever? Christians that have turned them off. It's because they strive. And the servant Lord must not strive. You've got to be willing to walk away losing an argument if you need to. Amen? It says, in meekness. Meekness is that word that encompasses the belief that there's God's control in all things. So it's not like you. It's not just you 
making things happen all the time. It's not just you uh, pulling all the strings and this person's coming to Christ because of you. In fact, he goes on to say, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. The first aspect of understanding meekness is that these people aren't against you, they're against themselves. Then it goes on to say, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So the fact of the matter is, it's not just you, it's them opposing themselves, but it's also God granting them the ability to repent. So there's two more people involved in your situation. As if that's not enough. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. There's a third person. Being meekness in your soul winning and understanding you reaching people isn't about you just making a decision that I'm going to go do this for God. (laughs) It's you understanding you're dealing with a person that's opposing themselves. You're dealing with a God that's working on that heart and is drawing them at the right possible time. And then you've got the devil that has has him within within his hold. And your good looks isn't going to free him. Your charismatic approach, your little witty comments isn't going to release the devil. This person must recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. And they're not going to do that if you're arguing with them. Amen? It's It's an intellectual conversation you're having. It's an intellectual argument. That's not what you want. You want a spiritual situation where the spirits of hell are being attacked. Amen? It's not in the head. It's in the heart and in the spirit. So that's what meekness means. Meekness means that it's not just me. Folks, I understand you're going to have people that are going to call you at 6 o'clock Sunday night. I need to talk to you and cause you to miss church over it. Can I tell you something? God's probably not in that. In fact, I've never seen it, and it's happened several times over my pastoral career where I've had people trying to do the right thing, but what happens is they got the devil working on them to try to get them out of church, and they're using their own strengths against them because they know that you'll give in. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, what you ought to say is, and this is the best thing you got to do for this person because doing right is always the right thing even if you think you're losing the control but you're not because you're not the one winning the soul. It's the Lord. Say, hey, how about, why don't you come to church with me? Oh, no, I'm not ready for church. Well, then I'll come and see you after church. Do right. The worst thing is when people tell me this and they expect me to pat them on the back and I'm looking at them Well, I'm glad you got to talk to him, but I'll guarantee you this, you didn't win him. And if you want him, what did you win him to? Compromise? Understand this, guys. I I understand when there's a sheep in the well. Maybe there's somebody that's overdosed on drugs and you need to be there and whatever. I understand. But that's usually not the case. It's usually not the case. It's usually a phone call, and this person, you know what, they'll take you away from the church, and the next day they'll call somebody else, and the next week they'll call someone else, and it's just an ongoing cycle for them. At least with you, they ought to see this guy holds to his principles. Amen? Maybe that would be a good step to bring them forward in. (laughs) This person has some faith and conviction about the scriptures and what they ought to do. 
Amen. And I'm saying this because I haven't had anybody use that thing on me in a long time, all right? So if you're about to say that to me, just don't. Just keep it quiet for a while. Amen. So never compromise. Never compromise control. Never compromise the natural separation process. Um, folks, it's hard when people leave you. It's hard when people don't want to be around you. We take it personally. But can I tell you something? It's a natural thing. If you're a person looking to live in the light, you're going to have people that don't want to be around you. In fact, most of the time, in fact, probably all of the time if we're doing it right, the separation that takes place will be automatic. It's not even like you have to go to them and say, well, I can't be with you anymore. The only reason you're saying that is because you have compromised. But if you've never compromised, you'll never have to say that because <clears throat> they will know it. Because you're a constant light. And if the people around you are not looking for the light and they love their darkness, well, then you're going to be an agitation to their soul every day. You think they're going to want to hang around with you? <laughs> and remember what you were like when you were lost and didn't want to be around Christian people? Of course you do. Amen? John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation, the light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, and that they are wrought in God. See, that's the difference between this group of publicans that came to Jesus and where you go and hang around with someone that doesn't want you to talk about Jesus. Amen? See, they don't want the light on because the light will reprove their deeds. And so if this person is not willing for your lifestyle or your message to reprove their deeds, they're going to walk away from you. And the Bible tells us even in a church context. Folks, I preach some pretty straight things. In fact, when I go through the scriptures, I don't skip phrases and passages for the sake of hurting people's feelings. So you'll have people come in, the light will be blaring, they'll say, well, I don't like this, guess what's going to happen? They're not coming back. I'm not going to turn down the light to deceive them to come in and then blast them when they get in too far, <laughs> like a cult would do. This is who we are. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed that we believe that the word of God is perfect and we don't have to worry about whether we've got error in our Bible or not. And if you have a different Bible in your hand, I love you, and I, and I want you to see this truth, and I'm not going to kick you out of here. But if you're, if you're not willing to bend on that, you will leave sooner or later because you hate being reproved. You hate, you hate that light shining in your face. Amen? You like drinking alcohol. You're going to hate this preacher. If you think money is more important than the things of God, you're going to hate me because you already hate the Lord. Amen? Amen? And so that you don't want that light to hit that area of your life. You don't want people to remind you of that. You don't want to be reminded. And, and I could be preaching on pff, baptism, and all of a sudden you're, <laughs> well, that preacher, he's just out to get me. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit of God has got you, man. He's dialing your number every time you hear the word of God being preached, and you don't hear anything else but that topic. Amen? I need to get away from there. Sure you do. Until you become a Christian that doeth the truth and they come to the light 
that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. We ought to care more whether our deeds are actually pleasing God than whether we're being pleased. Amen? That's an important thing. Separation. Baptists throughout the generations, hundreds and hundreds of years, have held to separation principles. Well, when did that start? In the 1700s? No, about when they wrote this book. When the Bible, there's been Christians ever since that time that has held to separation principles that have held to the same things I'm telling you about today. Amen? So what are we going to do? Deny it? (laughs) We're going to meet the Lord one day. Let's make sure we're right with the Lord and we're being everything that God wants us to be. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Be careful of the fellowship. Maybe right now the Lord is bringing to your mind some situation that you're in and you know you're not being impactful in in their spiritual direction. They haven't come to church. They show no interest in, in going to church. And yet you continue to spend time with people you know you ought not. you got to change your strategy here. Now it may be that you've compromised it so much that even if you invited them to church, they wouldn't take you serious. That's the importance of staying in the light, folks. Stay in the light all the time. You're not the last one they'll come to. You're the first one they'll come to if you stay in the light. It's the compromisers. They know it. The world knows it if you're compromising the principles of Scripture. They like you when it serves them, but later on when they try to seek for help, they know you don't have the answer. Otherwise, you would have stayed in the light. Don't compromise, please. Take these things to heart. Grow in them. Become a Christian that's Holy Spirit-filled and a great soul winner.